Praise God. I love, I, I just love y'all. I'm telling you, don't you just love people? Praise God. And the only way we can do that is because of God's love that's in us. If you don't have his love in you, you can't love everybody. But it gives us the ability to love even our enemies and to say good things about them. <laughs> Think about that. That's pretty powerful. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the fourth man in the fire today. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter, I mean, not Deuteronomy, Daniel chapter 3. We're going to do quite a bit of reading here. We're going to start with verse 8. But you need to go back and read chapter 2 where it talks about Daniel interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and how powerful that was and uh, how, how he was exalted, you know, and put in a place because he was able to interpret. He was honored by ne King Nebuchadnezzar at first. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start in verse uh, chapter 3. And what we find here, where we start here, is in verse 1 that, that um, after the interpretation of the dream, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. And it describes all of that, what it is, and all of that. Then we're going to go on down to, uh, we're going to just start in verse 8 because there's so much more reading that we're going to do. But he had ordered all the kings, the pre princes that were princes and men of authority and all this to come before him and to fall down and worship this golden image that represented him. You can see that there was a lot of pride that entered in because he wanted them to fall down and worship him. And so then in verse 8, it says, Wherefore, at that time, certain Galileans came near and accused the Jews, talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They spoke and said to the king, to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Now, they were building him up really good before they spoke this against their, the uh, little Jewish guys. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sacklet, the psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Now, the golden image represented him. In other words, when they fall down to worship the golden image to him, they were worshiping him. Pride goes before fall, right? So, and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Can you see a little bit of jealousy in there? I think jealousy is what directed them to act like they did. He said, the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They, have, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know what I, what I, what I wrote down when I read that? I like to call these Galileans tattletales. They wanted to get those Jewish boys in trouble. And they were tattletales. And so they went to the king and started telling them that, you know, they didn't respect you, Nebuchadnezzar. They had no respect for you at all. And so now, in other words, they were calling to his remembrance, his command of what was going to happen to anybody. And, you know, can you just see those Galileans gathering together? We got them, guys. They're going to burn. They're going to fry to a crisp. Because they have not respected and fallen down and worshipped the king. Well, verses 13 through 15. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. I wonder what they thought. The Jewish boys. Don't you think they probably knew they were in trouble? You know, if you ever got sent to the principal's office in school, didn't you wonder, what's going to happen now? Am I in trouble? I've had people say, am I in trouble? You know, in different situations. Well, I'm sure they wondered that. 
Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, all these instruments, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast into the same hour into the midst of a fire, burning fiery furnace. And who is this God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Whew. He was not upset because he, he, was, he was upset because he could not control them. He couldn't change them. He couldn't make them do what he wanted everybody in the whole countryside to do. So, but the three Hebrew children... He just couldn't face them, knowing that they wouldn't do what he wanted them to do. But they had, they had to rebel or disrespect, according to their words, in, him in front of all the dignitaries that were there. There was governors, there was princes, there was dignitaries, there was um, captains, and I think there was judges there. All before them, these three Hebrew children did not bow. And that just embarrassed, I started to say embarrassed pudding out of him, that's an old saying, because he could not control them. Satan doesn't like it because he can't control you. And he cannot control you. We can give him control. But if we stand fast like these three Hebrew children did, he cannot control us. And he could not control them. So in verse 15, what he was doing was giving them another opportunity to fall down and worship him. But you know what? It didn't work. He said, it'll be well with you if you'll, just, if you'll just do it now. It'll be the same as you did it earlier. But in that verse 16 um, and 17, I'm, I'm going to read, read it first, and then I'm going to go over and read it to you out of the Message Bible. Let me find it here. 16 and 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, sir, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, we'll explain that in just a minute. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now, in verse 16 and 17, uh, this really shows their trust, their answer to Nebuchadnezzar showed how they trusted their God. And I think that's so important in our being victorious in our faith walk is do we trust what God has said? Do, can I put as much trust in his word as what they're going to show us right here? Probably not. You know, there's a lot of times that our trust, we change our confession. And we can't change our confession. But you'll notice here in a minute that they never changed their confession. They trusted what they said. Okay, so in the Message Bible it says, Your threat means nothing to us. And you know, that's what's, what sickness and disease and poverty and all of that is. It's a threat from Satan. He threatens us to start saying, I don't feel good. My legs hurt. I have a headache. That's his way. That's what he was trying to do to them. But they had their mind made up. And it says in the Message Bible, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. You know what? I'm saying I'm going to recover from anything else the enemy throws my way. And you know, he will probably try. But if our heart is fixed like these three Hebrew children are, we'll be able to say anything else you can throw my way, I'm going to overcome it also. That does not mean that we are exempt from the things that Satan's going to try, but we can overcome them. And we can have our mind so fixed 
back to the mind, it's going to be so fixed that this is the victory, even our faith. And I am an overcomer. Always know in your mind, renew your mind that you are an overcomer. How do I know that? Because God's word tells me that. Do I trust that word that I am more than a conqueror? I can conquer this thing, praise God. But if we don't watch the mind, it's, it's going to listen to how you feel. It's going to listen to what the doctor says. And, and we have to listen to what the doctor says. I mean, that's why we go. But I always look at it like this. It tells me what I need to speak to. It tells me what I'm going to take authority over. And so we're not ruling out doctors. But we've got to be wise and, and uh, know that we can overcome whatever it is that he's saying is in our body. Because they're telling you what they see. But when we talked last week, what do you see? What do you see? I see Jesus going to the cross. And, and I imagine that sometimes. I see him hanging there. And if there's a, an attack on my body, I see him taking that to the cross. And I imagine that. And, and that, that helps my faith to know he carried that. What he did was he carried it away from me. He carried the sickness and disease and pains and, and poverty. He carried all of that away from you. So see him carrying it away from your life. Use your imagination to see these things happening. Let me go on and finish this. But if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. I might should go back and start on this other part here where he says... Uh, if you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring fiery furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. <laughs> now that's being established. Hey, this, this was not something little that they were facing. Okay, so we still wouldn't serve other gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Well, praise the Lord. Now, that's having your mind renewed to the word. To where we do not change, regardless of whether you get your healing or don't get your healing. And, I, you know, it's not going to change your confession that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. And you've heard me tell this story before, but... When Tom broke his leg, I don't know if you were there, Brenda, or not, but when he broke that leg, um, I'm trying to think who it was that built him a platform. I don't remember who built him a platform, but it was Pat Frost's first time to ever come to our church. Pardon? Lyndall did it. Lyndall built it. And so that first Sunday that she came, here he sat on the platform with his leg propped up on this thing that Lyndall built him. And guess what he taught on? <clears throat> healing. Healing. She would never forget that. I'll never forget it. But she thought, what is wrong with this man? <clears throat> she became our organist. Praise God. But that's... I'm not bragging on Tom, but I'm bragging on the word that was within him. That's the way he was. Y'all, I could tell stories on that man. I mean, he shot himself in the leg and just went and washed him, you know, and didn't tell his dad, just went on to town and went to see his mom and have her clean it up. He pulled a finger off and stuck it back on. He got fish hooks in his eyes. He took care of that. It's, it's just, and he, he bruised both sides of his brain. Until, until he finally, you know, he took authority over that to where he could scuba dive again. He and Charles Capps and Lynn Mink were big scuba divers. And, and I praise God that that's who I listened to in my home. And that's who my kids, they saw it. The scripture that we read last week where it says, teach it to your children. We said, live it before your children. And that's where you got to be, ladies. You've got to live, live this faith walk before your children. Because it speaks loud. It speaks louder than your words. 
then when they see it in the word, they'll think, praise God, that's what mama did. That's what mama did. She was living that word right in front of me. So it's very important. So we've got to be that strong and that established. There is a scripture in Psalms 57 verse 7 that says, My heart is fixed, O Lord. I will sing and give praise. And that's it. And I've used Karen Wilkins maybe the last time or time before. I used her as an example. Because, like I said, she was paralyzed one of these days. We'll give her, let her give her testimony. But that little girl, I'm telling you, she was so stubborn in the word that she could walk. She got to where she could walk. And we did what we had to do. But even with the doctor's report, her heart was still fixed. And this scripture, the reason I thought of her, that when she called me, I had Julie. Julie was just a little girl, little, probably first grader. But when she called me from the hospital in Little Rock, this was her third attack on her body. Twice she was paralyzed. And this time it was a tumor, brain tumor. And when she called me, her very first words out of her mouth was, my, I want you to know my heart is fixed. That scripture, my heart is fixed and I will sing and praise and I will live to raise my daughter. Before she ever told me the doctor's report. Now girls, that's having your heart fixed. We can learn from these people. I think her testimony would have been written up in the Bible if, if we were still writing the Bible because it's amazing the faith that this word gave her to where she, her far, heart was so fixed. Well, your heart has got to be that fixed. The Hebrew children's heart was fixed to where it didn't matter even if they threw him, them into the fiery furnace and they heated that thing seven times hotter to where it killed those, we may read that part in a minute and we'll see, where it killed those, the men that threw them in. It was so hot. Have you ever been outside by a campfire and it gets so hot well, you, and well, you have to back off? There's nothing. That's nothing. But they, they were, their heart was so fixed it didn't matter. They still, their faith in God and what he had said was still in them. It was in them. Nothing was going to take it out of them. Nothing was going to change their confession. Amen. So you'll notice, let's, let's go ahead and read through. I'm going to go ahead and read through the rest or most of this chapter here. Uh, let me see where I got to. <laughs> verse 17. But if it be known, verse 18, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form his visage was changed against them. Can you imagine being that man? Therefore he spoke, and he commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. You know, I got to thinking about that, Brenda. I thought, he knew something. He feared these men. Why in the world would he heat that furnace seven times more if he didn't have the thought, you know, they can overcome this. we got to really make sure we get these guys. And so he commanded the most mighty men. <laughs> there again. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. The most, it wasn't just somebody that he had to bind them. He had to have the strongest men. Why? Because he didn't know what these three Hebrew children were capable of. Well, let me tell you, we're going to let Satan know what we're capable of. <clears throat> we are more, excuse me, <clears throat> We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Well, so he commanded them to cast them into the fire. But they bound them. Then these men were bound in their coats. They had on their clothes. I mean, that, that would, I mean your pants will catch on fire if you back up to a, a fireplace or something outside. 
It can get so hot. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, I want you to just use your imagination as we read this. I, I loved reading it two or three times this morning. The, then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste, and he spoke and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? What did he see? Woof. Then answered, they answered and said unto the king, True, O king, listen to this. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Loose. Four men loose. That meant that the three Hebrew children no longer had their hands tied. They were loose. Walking. They were walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And we're going to go back and look at some of these scriptures here in a minute. And, you know, that even puzzled me. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know, what did he know about God? How did he know what God looked like? Like the form of the Son of God. That, that just, you know, I haven't done any study on that. I may have to. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spoke and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then they came forth of the midst of the fire. That commandment they obeyed. And the princes, the governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Emphasis on that. Nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed. Their clothes wasn't even changed. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel... And delivered his servants that trusted, emphasis, in him and have changed the king's words. Pause and think about that. And yielded their bodies. Pause and think about that. That they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. This was a violent king. Wouldn't you hate that job? They shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow, let me see where I want to go back to here. Um, verse 21, notice that their arms were bound and their fleshly body was bound. But their mind, soul, their feelings, what they could see was not bound. Their mind was not bound. And sometimes... Circumstances can get your mind so bound that you can't see any further than that problem. But their mind was not bound. They knew when they were going in how the outcome was going to be. So, you see, their mind was free, and that's what we're after. Our mind has got to be free. Even though there are situations and circumstances coming against us, don't let that thing bother you so much that your mind is bound up because when you start when your mind gets bound with the problem you're going to start speaking the problem and then that makes that problem real because we can have what we say 
And it's, it's so much easier sometimes to believe the, the wrong than it is the right. It's what was on the inside of them that counted. And that's, that's what's important to us. When Tom had that uh, uh, issue with, with the brain, he bruised both sides of his brain, and he went into that grand mal seizure that lasted over 30 minutes. What was in me came out of me. I jumped in the middle of him. I straddled him. And I said, you'll live and not die. And I spoke whatever it was that came out of my spirit. But if it hadn't been in me, I would have panicked. I would have panicked. And so it's important of what's in you. That's the reason these three Hebrew children did not panic when they said they were going to throw them into the fiery furnace. Because they had something in them. And let me tell you, Satan can't steal what's in you. He can steal what's up here. But the word is so powerful. Revelation knowledge is what we call it. When it's in here, and the only way you can get it in here is to continue saying it. And remember last week I quoted something that Charles Capps said. He said, I talked myself into faith. He kept speaking the word and speaking the word and speaking the word until faith came. Well, that's what we can do. We can talk ourselves into faith by saying what God says. So... Anyway, their mind was free. They did not see themselves bound or defeated. They weren't moved by the ropes that they were bound with, you know. They knew their God. And another thing, this is so important with, with we as believers, they knew each other. They knew each other. And some of you I know more than I do others. But the ones that, that, you know, we all have our circle, basically. But it better be a circle that you know who they are and how you can trust them. Because an intercessor, like I mentioned a long time ago, on Facebook, when they say, we're praying, and they'll have, you know, I'm pr- I thought, really, what are you praying are you really praying? Are you just telling them you're praying? You know, who do you know? You've got to trust whoever it is you ask to pray for you that they're going to do it. Amen. And when I see a picture on Facebook and they say, pray for so-and-so, and there's a picture, I lay hands on the picture. And I say, God, this is just as if I'm there with them laying my hands on them. So, let that word that's in you, you can minister even on Facebook. You know, when they ask for prayer, pray. Say something that the word says. Amen. So they didn't look at each other and say, what shall we do, guys? What are we going to do? No, they knew each other. They knew their heart. They didn't say, let's vote on it. What do you think? What do you think? Voting's dangerous. You're going to get all kinds of opinions on anything. They had already proved their God. And if you'll go back and read chapter 1, uh, you'll see they, re- they had already proved God because they refused the meat that the king was trying to get them to eat. Remember that? And they proved him. They stood up for that. So the Hebrew boys knew their own heart. And I think that's so important that... They couldn't go into that fiery furnace without knowing their own heart. They couldn't go into it, you know, knowing they're going to come out okay. And another thing, they had to know their own heart. They could not depend on the faith of the other two. It's an individual thing. Your faith is individual. Because you don't know, you really don't know what the other person's saying in prayer. You really don't know unless you know them that well. But it's an individual thing. Your faith is individual. Your husband can't, you can't live off of his faith. You can't live off of your kid's faith. You got to live off of your faith and the faith that God gives you. And he's given every one of us his faith. The word says so. Amen. So faith had to be in each individual to be able to go in. Or one of them would have balked. You go if you want to, but I'm not. You know, you've probably said that about a few times about things and probably been right. I'm not going. You go if you want to. 
but they were in agreement, and that was, that was good. So the king thought he was giving them a second chance in that one verse that we read, but that's not what they saw. I think to them it would have been compromised, to, uh, and it would have brought, brought doubt into their head about God and what, what God had spoken. So the thing of it is, and you know one of my favorite scriptures, God said he would perfect that which concerns us. That he would bring to completion. And I want to give us a little bit of time on that. We can't give it. We cannot give in to pressure of any kind when it comes against us. If we do, we lose the promise. The promise of healing. The promise of prosperity. The promise of peace that we studied about last week. If we give in to pressure, then we lose the power that's in the promise. So we have to, we have to stay hooked up to the word. Okay, so the king was the one who was bound. He was bound by anger. He was bound by pride. He only cared about himself. And girls, we're living in a day and a time we got to get outside ourselves. We've got to see other people and other people's needs because Jesus was a need. He, he supplied needs, and, and that's what we're to do. He was a need meter, as you might say. So this king had to make himself look good in front of all of those dignitaries that was there. That's all he thought about. He wanted to look good in their eyes. And he didn't care about that it was going to cost other people. He didn't care that it, the men that he had throw them into the fire was going to die. He only cared about self. And we are living in a self-centered world. That's what's wrong with most of the world is everybody is so selfish, so self-centered that it's always just me and mine. But we're bigger than that, aren't we? Okay, in verse 25, it, it talks about, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Well, the ropes, when the ropes fell off was not when they got free. That really was not when they got free. They were freed long before they were ever tied up with these ropes. They were free in their own heart and in their own soul, in their own mind. They knew themselves. I think that's so important. Uh, do I really know myself? Do I know that I can trust what I'm saying? Do I really believe in me, the words that's coming out of me? Because if what they... What they um, well, it said they had no hurt in them, and that's real important. You know, they were free in their mind, and so nothing could hurt them. You see, we accept hurts up here. We accept, we accept pain up here. And, and, and I'm not saying that pain is not real, but there is, it may be there, but the acceptance is up here. And if we don't accept it, and we start speaking the word to it, it won't affect our body. It has to leave at some point as long as we trust in the word of God and what he says. I mean, your authority carries power when it's God's authority that you're using, okay? So it says they had no hurt in them. If we're going to be victorious in our own life, and whatever fiery furnace you may think that you're going through which sometimes it feels like it gets pretty hot and heavy doesn't it we cannot afford to have hurt feelings you know they they could have had hurt in their in their mind and in their emotions as well as in their bodies if they had given into it but they had no hurt they did not hold anything against King Nebuchadnezzar. He, they couldn't have. They had no hurt in them. And hurt always, when we give in to hurt, if you've been hurt by somebody, your mouth is going to talk it if the hurt is in you. And that's why whenever anyone does anything to you, get rid of it. Don't allow that hurt to be a part of your lifestyle, a part of your going to bed at night. You know, that one scripture talks about going to bed with the devil is the way I try to put it. You know, don't go to bed with the devil when you go to bed at night. 
Don't let him feed your mind. And, and he will try that. So we cannot afford to have hurt feelings. I cannot afford strife. Um, I sure can't afford unforgiveness. And you can just go on and on and on and on. Next week we might talk about the, those scripture. I'm trying to think where it is where it talks about clothing for the mind. But there is clothing for this mind that we need to renew our mind to. So get rid of the hurt. I, you know, don't you just... Can you imagine being in their place and them not being upset so much with the king Nebuchadnezzar and the men that were fixing to put them in there? You know, it doesn't say anything about them putting the brakes on when they started to throw them in. They didn't drag them in there, and we're going to read that here in a minute. These bad things that come against you come for one purpose, and that's to destroy you. And, and it's to get you off of your confessions. Now, we know that we have the shield of faith. And the, what God showed me years and years ago was that the shield of faith is made up of our confessions. And when we quit confessing what the Word says and we start confessing something else, that puts a hole in our shield of faith and to where a fiery dart can get through. So we don't want any holes in our shield. We want to continue to confess what the Word says, even if you don't see the results. You still confess the Word of God by the stripes of Jesus, because that is the truth. He carried every sickness and every disease. He, he paid for you to be prosperous. He has given us His Word, and His Word is the truth over any situation or circumstance. So you cannot change your confession. The three Hebrew children did not change what they were saying. They did not have a shield in their, uh, a hole in their shield of faith. But a lot of people do because they're moved by what they're told and what they see and what they feel. Okay? I'm telling you, God's going to show up in the midst of your fire. If you stay true to Him and true to His commandments, true to His Word, don't let anything get on the inside of you that's going to stop the working of the Holy Spirit. The Word talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And when you do a study on that about grieving the Holy Spirit, that means you're stopping the work, you're hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and we can hinder the working of the Holy Spirit by what we say. So we need to check ourselves out and ask, what's my attitude about this situation? What I've been thinking, what I've been saying about this situation in my life? Well, we need to check ourselves out, don't we? Well, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes right quick and go to Ecclesiastes 12. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14. I'll give you just a minute or two. Not a minute, but go to Proverbs and then go right. <laughs> okay. To Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. And as Creflo Dollar would say, has it read? Ready, read. Ready, read. Are y'all ready for me to read? Come on, Kim. Hurry up. It's page 828 in my Bible. <laughs> Okay, I'm waiting till I see people's got it. You got it. There's no harm in looking in the index in the front and find out where it is. Okay. Ready? Read. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole it's duty of man. Well, the word duty is italicized. That means it's add, added. But this is the whole of man. I'll read that one again. Let us hear, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work, listen to this, into judgment with every Secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now then, <clears throat> you know how I am about different translations. Well, this is the message translations. The last and final word is this. That's where the conclusion comes from. 
The last and final word is this. Number one, fear God. Number two, do what he tells you. That's the final word. And then he says, do what he tells you, and that's it. That's the final conclusion. Fear God and do what he tells you to do. You can't be much plainer than that. Eventually, this is the uh, Message Bible. Eventually, God will bring it all out into the open and judge it accurately to its hidden intent, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And that made me think when I was reading that translation, the hidden intent. Sometimes we say things with a hidden intent. You know what's going to hurt somebody. You know, I know what's going to hurt somebody. And sometimes there is a hidden intent of why we say the things we say to somebody. And, but he said God's going to reveal it. So nothing, no hidden intent. I mean, it's open to him. He knows. And so we need to watch how we use our words and how we treat people. You know, um, have you ever seen people, or I, I have, that would say things with a, kind of with a laugh? And you think that's going to cover it up? Well, their intent was different. And that's what he's talking about here. We can say things jokingly, but the intent in saying it was something else. And he said, it's going to be revealed. It says that God will bring it all out into the open and he will judge it according to its hidden intent. Boy, that'll, as Tom would say, slack the, uh, jerk the slack in our rope. It, he will judge it accordingly to its hidden intent, whether it's good or whether it's bad. If your intention was good when you said those things, then that will be revealed. And so that's a comfort to me. I had no intention of hurting your feelings. But if that was not my intent, I'm okay. God knows that. But if he would know it if I intended the way I said that to hurt you. And a lot of times it's the voice that we say it, say things in, or, you know, I mean, God knows. Ladies, God knows whether we intended that to go the right way or the wrong way. Amen. So we can't get away with anything. Amen. The final conclusion is do what God says. Okay. Let's go back to Daniel uh, 3.28. And we're going to uh, look at verses 28 through 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. That's very important. They were able to change the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss or against the god of these Hebrew children, they shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted them in the province of Babylon. So, look at the phrase, delivered his servants that trusted him. In the Message Bible, he sent his angel and received his servants who trusted him. They ignored the king's order and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Wow. It says there has never been a god. This is Message Bible. There has never been a god who can pull off a rescue like this. Don't you love that? God can pull off a rescue. Praise God. And look what their trust in God. They're, they're, and trust, they trusted in God and their words also, what it did. Can you imagine how strong their trust in God was? It's hard to even imagine that. So much so that they willingly 
laid their bodies down. They didn't have to throw them in and them have their brakes on. They willingly laid their bodies down. And, you know, and we have a difficult time of, of laying down anything that we have as an idol in our life. We, we have difficulty laying them down. And that should not be so. Anything that has become a God in our lives, anything that's destroying God's temple, we need to be willing to lay that down. But we think we can get away with it, and we do. Eventually, it's going to show up. The things that we have as a God in our life, it's going to show up sometime. And, and, and there's destruction in anything that is a God in our life. I don't care what it is. If you're a tightwad, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> tightwad. If you're a tightwad, and you, you can't give like God tells you to. There's destruction in that. It's eventually going to show up. Because if you're a tight mind and you're not a giver like Luke 6.38 tells you to be, what if you're going to need something given to you sometime? You have no basis for it to be for harvest. I mean, it, there's some stuff to think about in there. Okay. Tight one. <laughs> wow. So we've got to lay down those things that have become a God to us. We've got to willingly do that. Okay. I look up the word trust in the Webster's Dictionary. It means a confident expectation. The fact of having confidence placed in you. In other words, he's saying it's a fact that confidence is in you. And that's the way I want to say that. I want to say that as a confession. In fact, I, I wrote it down. God's word does, it, does this for us, makes, makes our confession. This is my confession. My trust and confidence is in you. So I trust you that you perfect everything that concerns me. I trust God that he's going to perfect everything that concerns me. Look at Psalms 138. We're about to run out of time here. You hear me quote this all the time, but I want to show you where it is. Psalms 138, verses 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, <clears throat> thou wilt revive me. Man, girls, make yourself some confessions. Write them down so you can read them. You know what you need. God knows what you need. And I think this is one of them. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. You know what? Who's at the right hand of the Father God? Jesus, the Word. Thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Wow. I'm telling you, I, I use this. I probably use this scripture every day. I think I, I do it mostly at night when I lay down in bed and I'm saying some of my confessions that, Father, I thank you that you perfect your word. Everything that concerns me, you perfect and you bring to completion. So make yourself some, some good uh, confessions that you can say. Now let's look at Psalms 57, 1 and 2. Let's see. Be merciful unto me. Now when you read this, if you'll look at, up at your title, it'll say that um, this was a psalm of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. It's a fact. I trust God that it has become a fact to me, and you can make that into a confession. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I'm going to trust you, Lord, until all of these calamities are gone. 
during the calamities, I'm going to trust you. And they're going to disappear. They're going to leave. Amen. He says, I will cry unto God, most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He performs his word. That's why we quote his word so he can watch over it to perform it. And he's going to perform his word. And you're going to stay hooked up to that word until all these calamities are gone out of your life. Make a confession out of that. Praise God, Father, I thank you that all those calamities that's been coming out, come after my, in my life, I thank you I'm free from those, praise God, that you have perfected those areas in my life. They are no longer a calamity to me because you have perfected that which concerns me. Learn how to use this word and make them into confessions. Okay. So, man, I've got about three more pages, but we're going to have to quit. Back to Daniel 3 and verse 28, it says, it says their trust and actions changed the king's word. That's pretty powerful. His purpose and his command. They changed his purpose and changed his command. That's powerful, y'all. He had planned to destroy them. But now what did he find himself doing? He was exalting them. He was placing them in a, in a position of, of command, praise God. And the, notice that the king's next command. He didn't command the people to serve their God. He didn't command all of his people to serve Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. He didn't command that, but he commanded them what? It tells us to respect and not speak against their God. And that's, you know, I can't make anybody serve my God but I can at least ask him to respect the God I serve and not dishonor him and we see that by June I know honey I know well I'm fixing to close anyway okay so the fire even when it was heated seven times to normal heat the fire lost its power the attacks lose its power the fire that you think you're in the things that Satan brings against you loses their power with our confessions of faith. And, you, and see that. We may pay, take up here and go further next week with this. But know that when we speak the word of God, those attacks that are coming against us loses their power. The darkness cannot stand against the light. If we had it dark in here, totally dark in here, and we turned the lights on, what happened to the darkness? It left. It left. It was swallowed up in light. And the same thing will happen in our lives <clears throat> when we quote the word of God because the word is light. Then the darkness that's coming against you, whatever it is, it will be swallowed up in the light of the word of God. And it will dissipate. The darkness has to leave. But you've got to know what to say. You've got to stay hooked up to the word of God. Amen.